Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor at Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. But your sorrow will be turned into joy. There's that word. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. Ladies, am I I right? If I were to ask you while you were still on your hospital bed giving birth, if you wanted to do this again, many of you would say no. But I find this interesting as a husband, and it's not long after that that you're okay with that again, (laughs) that you want to have another child, that you talk about it. Why? Because your joy has returned, and through the pain and suffering of delivering a child, you now find the joy in the fulfillment of that with your baby. And the joy returns. Here we see in Jesus' illustration that God is not nearly as concerned with our comfort in the temporary moment as He is our transformation in the long run. In His example, Jesus reveals that the pain of childbirth brings the joy of a new child. God doesn't remove the pain of a mother halfway through the birth. No, he allows it to come to fruition, but he brings the joy of parenting along with it, and that overcomes the pain. We see this so powerfully through our redemption, through the pain of the cross and our forgiveness that was purchased for us by Jesus Christ. His pain brought our peace. His suffering brought our salvation. And through His stripes, through His pain, we are healed. It is through difficulties that we know the deepest joy and purpose for our life. Looking back on some of the things that have happened to me and to, and to Debbie and I together, we would not pick the road that God had given to us Not by a long chance. We would have never picked some of the pains and sorrows. But I can tell you this. We would not be the people we are. We would not have the faith that we possess had we not gone into the trial and gone through it. And for that, I give God thanks. And for that, I give Him glory because all glory is due His name. It's nothing that I did or we did to get through it. We just hung on for dear life to Him. He walked us through the darkest moments of our life. And on the other side, He brought joy. He didn't remove the pain and replace it with joy. That's sometimes our prayer. But He said, in spite of this pain, I'm going to show you my joy. And you're going to come through this transformed and you're going to be ready for what I have next in your life. He prepared us for what He was going to give us first. I think of the disciples. Can you imagine the high of having watched Jesus feed 5,000 men plus women and children from a single sack lunch? They had to be talking about this. The buzz was, it was just, it was a high. 
And then what did the people do? Well, they wanted to seize Jesus, and along with that, likely the disciples. And they wanted them to, to lift them up. And Jesus is going, uh-uh, I know what's in your heart. You're not, uh-uh, that's not why I came. And so what he turns to the disciples, and he says, get in the boat. It's a commandment. Didn't require an answer. <laughs> get in the boat. So what do they do? He says, cross to the other side. They get in the boat and they begin to row and Jesus leaves the crowd and he goes up to pray on the hillside. Now, interesting that Jesus didn't say, get into the boat, everything's going to be just smooth sailing and you're going to experience no problems and when you get to the other side, I'll be there waiting for you. He doesn't say that, did he? He said, get in the boat and go to the other side. He didn't say what would happen in between. That's kind of like our life, isn't it? Jesus says, you're, you're with me now. Here's what I want you to do. One day, I want you to, to go out into the world, preach the gospel. I want you to go out into the world, make disciples, and I'll bring you in heaven, to heaven one day. We don't get to know all the circumstances that happen in between now and heaven, do we? I mean, I, I'm glad we don't. I, I don't want all that information at once. I, you know, what is it? Sufficient for the day, the trouble for today is. I, I just need to know what to do today. And that's how God has planned it for us. Easy times create soft Christians, and soft Christians make little impact or difference in their world. We're seeing that right now. We're, we're reaping the whirlwind because we've been soft. And when I say we, I mean Christians across the country. The church has gone soft largely. But now it's starting to wake up. And now church, some churches are starting to wake up and say, wait a minute, hold on, we've lost our way. And they're beginning to open the Word up and use it as a compass to redirect themselves onto the path that God has from soft Christians make little impact or difference in their world. Helen Keller once said, although the world is full of suffering, it is also full of the overcoming of it. Pastor Chuck Swindoll, uh, one of my favorite pastors, wisely stated, we are all faced with a series of great opportunities brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. You ever faced what you thought was an impossible situation? Boy, I know I've had a few of them in my life. How, how am I ever going to get through this one? How am, I don't even have words for this. And yet, if you look at it through the eyes of God, it's a, it's a great opportunity, brilliantly disguised as an impossible situation. In my six decades of life, I know some of you thought I only had four, um, I have found that God will often point to you in pain in order to produce your purpose. That in the pain, He will ready you for what the purpose is coming out of it. Jesus allowed these disciples to go across the lake. He knew full well what was about to happen. He controls the wind and the waves. He knew that the storm was coming. It has always been his plan. So when he sent them out there, he knew what he was doing. He was sending them into a storm. He was doing this to prepare them. Ministry was going to get far more difficult after this moment. When they arrive on the other side, there's going to, people, going to be people that oppose them. And Jesus wanted them to know, hey, I'm, I am God. You need to understand this. I am the Son of God. So he puts them in a boat out there, and they cry out 
for their lives. They're, they're about to die in their eyes. And what does Jesus do? He comes into their pain. He didn't speak for the way. He could have done that from the hillside. No, he comes walking on the water through the waves and the storm, and he gets into the boat with them. He'll get into your storm with you. And then it's only then that he calms the storm. But he wants you and I to learn something through the storm that we can only learn if we walk with him through the darkest nights that we face. I think of martial arts theologian Bruce Lee, who said, do not pray for an easy life. Pray for the strength to endure a difficult one. I don't know what Bruce Lee's theology is, but I know that's a true statement. You know, we can pray for an easy life, but I don't think that, that matters. I think praying for the strength to endure the one that God's given us is what we should be praying. The fact is most of us would not have half of our faith if we had not experienced the perfecting pain in our lives at some point. God uses our pain for our gain and His glory so that we have a story to point and say, look what God did in my life. I went through a dark night of my soul. I didn't know how I was going to get through it. But then in the middle of it, I cried out to God and He heard my cry. And He came to me and He he ministered to me. His peace came back into my life and His joy filled me. That's a story that you have. If you don't go through trials, what story do you have? I think of one of my favorite songs called Through It All. It was written by Andre Crouch, which wisely asked the question, and I quote, if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. See, if we don't have a trial in our life, why would we need God at all? If, if life was just one big smooth sail, we wouldn't really need to talk to the Lord about our problems because we wouldn't have them. But problems in this world come into our life to show us our need for Jesus. They, they show us our need for prayer. They show us our need for God and a relationship with Him. That's what drives us to make a decision. In Jesus' story, the teacher didn't say that God replaced the pregnant mom's sorrow with the absence of pain, he said that her pain was transformed into joy. And your pain can be transformed into joy as well. He wants to do that in your life as well. If you walk with him through the crisis. King David, who knew more than his share of pain, in my opinion, wrote in Psalm 30, verse 5, he said, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So hang in there. The pain that you're going through is not forever. If you're walking with the Lord, if Jesus is your Savior, your pain will not last forever. At some point, He will relieve it, whether in this life or the next. So keep walking with Him. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Jesus lists three kinds of joy for believers. Number one, joy in the believer's circumstances. And number two, joy in the believer's prayers. Joy in the believer's prayers. Jesus is going to return to the topic of prayer here with these young disciples who have lost their joy, who are experiencing great loss, the kind of the death of a dream for them. 
And Jesus is going to redirect them to prayer. Verse 23, he goes on. And in that day, what day? Well, as far as I can tell, this is the day the Holy Spirit comes down and comes into the, the disciples' lives and indwells them. It's, he does that for all believers. If you're a follower of Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language. But I will tell you plainly about the Father. Why? Because he's sending the Holy Spirit to take up residence into your lives. He's going to speak to you. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. He's a comforter. But I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father to you. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. The main subject here in this paragraph is prayer. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full, he said. Jesus was telling them that the day would arrive shortly when the believing Christ follower would have their needs met directly by their heavenly Father. Up until now, Jesus had met their needs. For three years that the disciples followed Jesus and they traveled around Israel, Jesus met their needs. He supplied everything they needed. And now Jesus says, listen, I'm going away. I'm sending the helper to you, the Holy Spirit. Now you can pray directly to the Father. You have no need to go through someone else. You don't need to tell a priest, hey, could you tell God that I need this or that? No, we can walk right into the Father's throne room. We're his children now. And you have full access. You have a full access pass, a backstage pass, if you will. You get to walk right in to the Father with a boldness, he says in James, and ask him and tell him what your needs are and pray to him. We do so in Jesus' name because Jesus is our standing. When we walk in, we didn't have standing before, but it, we have it in Jesus. So we pray in Jesus' name. This is what I need and I'm asking you for. The disciples and you and I need to know that our Heavenly Father's love for us is perfect and it's complete. And He will always give us exactly what we need when we need it and in the right amount. I could tell you so many stories just planting this church that there were times when it got down to the final hour in my view, from my human view, and we needed God to come through. And, you know, it, I tell you what, my faith grew a lot in the early days especially. But crying out to God going, we don't have the money for this and, and, and this guy's going to want to get paid tomorrow. God, I don't know what to do. Just tell me what to do. I just don't know what to do. And then on the final hour, God brought someone or a group of people that didn't really know the circumstance when, when they called me and said, hey, God is just telling me to do this. 
I'm going to send you a check. And the money was right there, the exact amount that we needed each time. And that's how your faith grows. When we understand that God's going to supply all our needs, we don't have to worry about it. We just pray in Jesus' name. We just ask the Father for what we need, and He knows what we need before we even speak. But He wants us to come to Him, and He wants us to share our hearts with Him. When we read our Bible, whether in a quiet place or home, when we read it here like we're doing this morning, or whether at a Bible study, the goal is always to know God better, to know Him at a deeper level, and then to apply what we've learned in our lives into the decisions that we make, into the way that we live our life. If you ever read the book of Acts, then you know how important prayer was to the first century church. And as the books of the Bible, letters from uh, the apostles mostly early on, began to circulate around these young churches, they began to grow in their knowledge and wisdom of God as the Spirit led them. As they began to know the heart of God, they could pray in the will of God. And that's worth the, the price of admission this morning. When you begin to know the heart of God, then you, know, you begin to know how to pray the will of God. How do I know what the will of God is? Well, get to know God better and at a deeper level. And when a circumstance comes up, almost all the time you're going to know at least to some level what His will is. You'll be able to pray according to His will. And then your prayers will become more effective as James talks about also. Prayer and reading Scripture was an essential element in their lives. In fact, prayer is so important and critical to the believer. It's as important as breathing oxygen is to our physical being. Prayer, talking to God, should be something that we just kind of go through our day when things happen to us or we get news or when we're about to meet someone or we're in the middle of talking to someone Throw up a prayer and ask God what He wants you to do. Pray often and pray believing. Jesus lists three kinds of joy for believers. We've looked at number one, joy in the believer's circumstances. And then we just looked at, at joy in the believer's prayers. And finally, we're going to look at number three, joy in the believer's position. Joy in the believer's position. His disciples said to Him, verse 29, See, now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. This is one of the first times the disciples declare that they believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They believe that He's the Holy One from heaven. They, this is, these are baby steps. You've got to understand that. And they're going to make mistakes shortly here. Peter's going to deny even knowing who Jesus is, but there's grace for that. They would be scattered. They would run and leave their master to himself. All, with the exception of John, would run away. 
Verse 30, they said this again. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe. We believe. This is their testimony of faith. We believe that you came forth from God. Yes, they would fall within hours, but do we not trip occasionally? Yes, they would question what God's plans were for them. Do we not question God's plans? Is our faith not shaken at times? Of course it is. These are young men just entering into their faith, just beginning to exercise it. The disciples should have left the garden at this point when the guards, the soldiers came for Jesus in the garden. Jesus asks, who are you seeking? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I'm He. So you have Me. Let these others go. And they do let them go. And that fulfilled the prophecy that Jesus hadn't lost one of them. They would not be arrested. They should have all left and gone back to their place to pray. But Peter, well, he can't stand it. He has to follow Jesus. Peter and John follow Jesus. And this places Peter in a difficult circumstance that he's about to face. And yet, he was trying to follow his friend and his Savior. He was attempting to step into the position that Jesus had given him as a leader. Jesus repeats himself when he states that he would be left alone, and yet he is not alone because the Father was with him. Yes, God too would abandon Jesus on the cross. He would turn away from Him because He can't view sin. And Jesus took all our sin upon Him on the cross. And He turns for a moment away from His Son. But because Jesus was abandoned for our sin, we can be sure that God will never abandon us. Because He was forsaken on the cross, we can be assured of God's presence in our lives forever. Jesus finished His message to His friends by reminding them of a few of His promises. That He was leaving them in full possession of peace. That they would experience difficult days ahead. And then He reminded them not to be worried that He had overcome the world, sin and all. Verse 33, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. It doesn't say you might have. It says you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus exhorted them to be of good cheer, which means take up your joy again. Be of good cheer. Looking into the faces of these disciples at this moment, None of us would doubt how they were feeling right now. They had lost their joy completely. But Jesus could see their faces and He knew what was on their mind and hearts. He encourages them to be of good cheer. How could they experience joy in the middle of this hardship? Because their Savior and friend had made them overcomers. And the same is true for you and I. Maybe today you've lost your joy Perhaps you're in the middle of a paralyzing crisis right now and you've allowed it to rob your joy, to take away your peace. Listen, there's joy in your circumstances. Number one, there's joy in your circumstances as God works all things for your good and His glory. And then number two, there's joy to be reclaimed in your prayer time with your heavenly Father. 
See, the problem for us is so often is that when we enter into a difficulty, a storm in our life, a crisis in our life, we throw out everything we knew about God. We stop reading His Word or we don't pray to Him. We're just consumed with the crisis and the sadness that comes along with it. But there's joy to be reclaimed in staying close to Him. And then finally, number three, there's joy in knowing your position as a child in God's forever family. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, slaves, but now I call you friends. That's your position in God. You're a friend of God. Imagine that for a moment. You're a child of God. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ's followers through obedience to His Word.